Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Scripts and Scribes live stream Q&A podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Fukunaga. Happy Friday, everyone, for the special Friday episode. Uh, before we get started, we're mixing it up again. And instead of next Saturday, we'll be on next Monday, November 15th at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern with the triumphant return of Lit Manager John Zalzerny for our annual year-end review. Uh, but this time, a Q&A version, so please join us then. Um, we're gearing up for the last few episodes of the year, and upcoming guests include, of course, John Zalzerny, uh, the Goldbergs writer and Disney ABC fellow Adip Desai, Lit Manager and producer Ryan Cunningham of Anonymous Content, and more. So be sure to follow us on Twitter or Facebook so you can keep up to date on all of our future guests. But today, our guest is a lit manager and producer who founded First Story Entertainment in 2018 and represents a diverse roster of talented writers and filmmakers who have staffed or sold to HBO, Warner Brothers, CW, Disney, and more. He also develops film and television products under projects, products, projects, under the First Story banner. Prior to First Story, he was head of development and production for producer Linda Opes, whose credits include Interstellar and Sleepless in Seattle. I've actually read her book. Uh, and before that post, spent over seven years in development at Lionsgate. He's a graduate of USC's School of Cinematic Arts and currently sits on the board of the Trojan Entertainment Network. Uh, I'm pleased to have on Jason Lubin. Thanks for coming on, Jason. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, uh, we appreciate you coming on. You have an incredibly interesting background in that you are on the lit and producing side, i.e. the buyer, but you've also worked, spent a lot of time in the development side, uh, as, uh, or the buyer, excuse me, swap it around, the seller and the buyer, uh, which I think is, uh, fascinating and something that I don't think that many, as many writers really consider when they're, uh, trying to develop and sell a project. Um, in terms of the needs and what goes on behind the scenes of the development process. Uh, before we get into all of that, though, I did want to say for everyone in the chat, if you've got questions for Jason, please drop them in into the ch live stream chat, and we'll get back. We'll get to them as soon as we can. But I did want to get into your background first, uh, since you're sure. a first timer, a new guest here. I wanted to ask you, uh, how did you first decide you wanted to work in the entertainment industry, and how did you sort of make that happen? Like, what was your what's your background like? How did you get into the industry? Yeah, I um, you know I've always loved it. Uh, I've always loved storytelling. I've always loved entertainment. You know, as a kid, I was reading, I was writing, I was doing everything. Um, all, all the holidays were at my family's house, and I would write a show. I'd direct it. I'd star in it. I'd, I'd, I'd put on these whole productions. Uh, I remember one year for Passover, um, Star Wars had just been re-released, and mm. I kind of combined the Passover and Star Wars mythology, and I played. Uh, um, Moses Skywalker and I had a you know lightsaber battle with my dad who played the Pharaoh it was like a whole thing um but in fifth grade I made a movie about George Washington and uh I played it in class and my teacher goes this is how Mr. Littigott uh and and he goes you know this is how Steven Spielberg started mm. and that kind of really clicked for me um and I was like that's what I want to do and that's when I decided to go eventually into the film business um so I ended up at, uh, you know, so that was like kind of always the path, always looking for opportunities to to really play a, uh, a part in, in that field. Mm -hmm. uh, ended up at USC in the film school there and um, realized I wasn't a director when I was there. I was kind of much more producer in terms of my my skill set mm -hmm. and um, ended up getting a, you know, a, a job. Uh, I was a floater at Lionsgate and kind of worked my way up from there. Um, and here we are. 
No, that's great. And so, but again, you transitioned from uh, wanting to direct to realizing that producing is uh, probably more, more up your alley and dealing with your skill set. And now that you, now that you've also added to that, you went into development, and then now you are, a, you know, lit rep and, and, and producer. What was that transition like going from, again, in development side, uh, which obviously is very not as hands-on in terms of production, which you have, you know, going to film school, uh, knowledge of and experience of, to, again, the very sort of uh, office-driven instead of production set-driven uh, uh, aspect of the film business and then coming back to sort of an amalgam, which is, I think, what lit reps do. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I think you kind of are alluding to it a little bit. You know, I, I worked at Lionsgate for a long mm -hmm. time and there was a lot of advantages being a buyer, right? Obviously, I could chase material that was um, certainly at a higher level than, than as a producer or even right now as a rep. Um, you know, having being able to make those decisions is is great. Um, you know, I also kind of got kind of the middle ground. You know, working at a, a small production company mm -hmm. with Linda. You know, it was just me, her, and an assistant. So you know, it, it was you know uh, kind of that hybrid buyer seller being you know the middle ground. Um, you know, it kind of the reason I ended up here was kind of just a, a confluence of events of leaving Linda, I didn't really know if I wanted another kind of mid-level exec job. Mm -hmm. I felt I had done the big buyer of Lionsgate. I'd done the small production company. Um, I had always wanted to eventually start my own thing. So that was certainly in the back of my mind. Um, and I talked with a lot of great people who who had made this transition, John Zazerni actually being one of them. Mm -hmm. um, and everyone was talking about how great it was being a manager. They're like, you can still produce, you can still do all these things. And so I was like, you know what, that's what I want to do. I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to start my company, build it up. At first I was like, I'll sign 10 clients and make a hundred thousand dollars in a year. And then I'll win an Oscar in five years when I produce my first movie. And uh, once I started doing it, I kind of really fell in love with the actual, just the pure management side mm. because of that flexibility of being able to do a lot of different things, right? So, you know, I would work my butt off trying to get these projects off the ground and there's such a small hole to fill. There's, you know, mm -hmm. the target is so small these days to be able to sell something um, that it got really frustrating when you're, when you're, you know, kind of an independent producer trying to really get stuff going. Whereas with these writers, uh, there is so much, breath to be able to do, right? I can try to get them staffed on a show. I can try to sell their original piece of material. I can work in both TV and film for them. Um, I can bring them IP. I can come up with ideas and pitch it to clients that I think might, you know, uh, like that and want to run with it. And, and being able to do all those different things. And I say, it's kind of funny because I'm a life coach, I'm an agent, I'm a, you know, I'm a producer, I'm kind of a developer. I'm all of those things for 20 people um, and and that ends up being really exciting. And so I think that's what I've kind of loved about this uh, career path that I chose for myself is that ability to do all these things that I love, which at the end of the day is just, you know, be instrumental in creating great stories. Right. Um, and I'm able to do that in the job that I have now and be compensated for that, right? My 
my goals are purely aligned with my clients. When they make money, when I make money, when their careers uh, blow up and get successful, that helps my business. And I think that, you know, we're not, we're not in, 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 um, in this give and take at all. It's, it's purely kind of aligned and and going forward. Mm -hmm. And a lot of lit managers come from the agenting side. Uh, you yours you come from the development side, which I do want to actually delve into a little bit more. But since you jumped from development to management, um, and I, in your background, I hadn't seen any sort of agency work or anything like that. How did you learn to be a lit rep? Because obviously, it's you. You're obviously very experienced on the development side, which is a huge part of being a lit manager, obviously, as opposed to being an agent, um, the development of material and getting it ready for market um, and understanding the market and all that kind of thing. But how did you learn the the rep side, the representation side, you know, dealing with clients and, and that sort of thing, um, you know, from your background? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny. I kind of say, like, I have no clue what I'm doing, to be honest. And and. I think that ends up actually working in my favor more than than not. When I worked for the CEO of Lionsgate, something that he said that's always stuck with me is the worst reason to do something is because that's the way it's always been done. Mm. And I really just live my life that way in the sense of like, just because other reps, I mean, I, I always am asking questions and I have some great mentors that, um, you know, give advice, you know, whether they're agents for, you know, other managers, whatever. Um, and I'm always asking questions and always trying, what do you do? Or, or, or how do you do this thing? Or like, do you have a challenge in this way? And if it makes sense, or that's a smart approach, I'm like, okay, I need to start doing that. That's, that's, I'm, I'm dumb for doing it this way. I should do it this way. Um, uh, but at the same time, you know, I'm always thinking of like, you know, I, I'm really try to be like a good, like kind of customer service rep, like, my i try to keep my clients happy uh but also give them kind of the blunt lines in the way that like how would i want if i was a creative how would i want someone to talk to me about my career and my goals we're very big on strategy and stuff like that um from the from the you know the producer and exec side i've been on that side i know what what we're trying, what they're trying to do, how it's going to work when, when you're in that meeting, uh, that they have to pitch their boss, right. It's my job to help them make their job easier. Right. Like they're my allies. Like, like I'm not just trying to make them pay as much because they're usually the ones I'm, the ones I'm talking to are usually not the ones that to hold the purse strings. Mm -hmm. So how do I give this exec or this producer ammunition to help my clients move their things forward. And so, you know, I'm very targeted in my approach. I, I don't call up an, an exec and say, here's 10 clients that you should all know. I go with a very purposeful, like, oh, I know you're looking for this type of writer, or I have the perfect writer for you. And when they read them, they're like, you were right. This person is great. Or this person is the type, right type. Didn't, I didn't love this as much as I wanted to, but I appreciate you sending me the right person. So I just, I'm always trying to uh, do what I think makes sense and not tied to, like, there's a lot of things I think in this business that are like outdated or just like, well, why do, like, that doesn't make any sense. Why would mm -hmm. we do things that way? So I really try to operate on what's the smart approach to do it and how am I doing things differently differently 
um, than my quote unquote competitors. Um, because if it's, if I'm going to do the exact same thing three arts does, they're going to beat me every time. So I have to do something a little different and a little more boutique and, and curated mm-hmm. in order to, to have my clients get the success that they deserve. Right. And having such a background in terms of like such a deep background in development, um, could you walk us through, especially for those writers who may not have gone through any sort of development process or, or pitching process, that kind of thing, what the steps are for a newer client that you perhaps sign, an emerging writer who hasn't been around the town yet, hasn't been introduced to the town, so to speak, hasn't done the water bottle tour, what that process is like, and then what the process like is for development. Because I think the, the myth is you send a script to a rep, you love it, you send it out, it's sold. They they're on the red carpet, you know, six months from now. Um, while that certainly, I guess, could in theory happen, that's not generally mm-hmm. the way things happen. Uh, there's it's definitely more securitous route, and and a lot more goes into it. Uh, but could you describe possibly uh, again coming from because you have such a great experience again for as a buyer and a seller, um, meaning. Again, the buyers are the studios and networks, uh, the people with the money that to give you for your script or your idea, your pitch, whatever it happens to be, hire you as a writer. And the selling side, which is, you know, the writers, the managers, the agents uh, who are trying to get a project together and sold. Um, so can you describe maybe the process that a, a newer emerging writer would go through um, to get, like, if something gets made, just a hypothetical situation um, of getting a, a pilot made or feature made from beginning to end, from when they send you that script, yeah, or even the logline, you get the great logline, you love it, and you want to, you want to know more. Sure. Yeah, I'll do, I'll do feature because I think it's right. a little more simple than than TV. Sure. Um, you know, so so I I I want to be involved with my clients very early on and and very actively. Like I, I read I read multiple drafts of of outlines and treatments and and drafts. Um, you know, not as an impediment to the process, but but being you know, especially having you know my ear to the ground in terms of what's working in Hollywood and, and stuff like that. Just so if there are any problems or, or directions that we're going um you know we can we can gear this towards kind of again aligned with kind of the strategy that 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 the client and i have for their career um so yeah they'll 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 pitch me usually they'll pitch me like hey i'm thinking about doing um uh this idea and they they kind of pitch me kind of the general take on it and i go oh that's great you know could be cool like this or maybe ask some questions um and then we develop it right you know outline again different clients have different um processes in terms of that but um then when we finally get that that solid script that we feel really happy with that's ready to go out um for features the first thing i do is i go to you know 30 to 50 um you know production usually production companies maybe independent producer i know um to get read uh you know if it's the first thing that that we're taking out it's really important to me that just people are aware of this client and that they're um thinking of them for um other projects in that space right so if they're a horror writer that they're reading a horror script of them they're like oh this is incredible horror writer we're going to want to work with them in that capacity and really be thinking about who are the right producers who are the right companies that we would go through so then uh we take that out get those reads i follow up 
of those 50 people, maybe 25 read it. Uh, and of those 25, you know, 10 respond well to it. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of them pass, but say, Hey, I'd love to meet with the writer. And we set those, those general meetings. So kind of, again, to get the ball rolling from a, uh, general career standpoint. Now from a, um, uh, for getting this project kind of made, hopefully at least one of these producers really responds to it, wants to make it. They're like, I like this. I, I want to do it. They hop on board. Uh, usually then there's additional development. The more notes the producer mm-hmm. wants to do their pass and get the script to, to a version that they want. Um, once they get that version, where the industry is now kind of need things to get packaged up. So then they're trying to attach either a director uh, and or an actor um, to the project to create kind of a, a package that um, is competitive that the people are going to respond to. Now, once you get the package, then you take it into the studio. Um, you know, hopefully they have, if they have a home studio, great. You know, they have a deal somewhere that they take it to first. Uh, that's always kind of the, the path of least resistance. Um, if not, they'll take it to the town and then that studio would option the script. Um, and then we're getting into a little bit of the negotiation, but it's usually there's an option fee against the purchase price fee. So you get money up front, and then there's a purchase price fee if they actually make the movie. Um, and then it's, you know, who knows? It could be a, uh, it could be a production really soon. Mm-hmm. It could take a long time. It really depends. Mm-hmm. Um. So I do have more questions in terms of development and all that sort of thing. Um, But I'm going to start going through some of these questions that we've been getting in the live chat. Let's see here. Um, M. Wolf says, any particular genres that are really getting bought up right now? So is there anything hot in particular? Um... I don't know if there's any particular, I mean, obviously, you know, there's like, oh, people want, like, I think a little more escapist right now. Um, You know, over, like, I think there's like some things that aren't working as well. Like, I think like kind of dystopian was, is not really out. People don't, I don't think really want virus related stuff, lockdown related stuff. Um, But um you know, I, th- I think what people, I think the big thing right now is IP, mm-hmm. right? You know, either, you know, games, books, franchises, um, or, or the things that are going to work are things that are just really unique and special, right? Like if you look at what hits the squid games and, and the stuff like that, it's, it's things that seem very different than what they've seen before. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be the Marvel stuff. It's going to be the big franchises, um, or it's to, to really cut through, it has to be kind of special. Right. And, and um, you know, I, I also, I, I'm, I try not to just chase, because I think what, what you want to write genre-wise is what you are passionate about. You shouldn't write towards, like, obviously you can change a little bit based on kind of what's working. Like, I've definitely told clients, like, oh, don't do, what about if we do this current rather than period or stuff like that to kind of adjust to the times a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think the genre that you want to write is the one that you're most passionate about. Right. Um, because I think people can kind of read through writing to just to market something. Right. Chasing trends and things like that. 
Um, Clint Williams, hey Clint, uh, says, is there a pandemic backlog of screenplays optioned or purchased but not yet produced? Does that make current spec market a tougher nut to crack? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, definitely, definitely people bought a lot of stuff. I think it's less about overbuying and more just right. The production, you know, pipeline is, is backed up, right? They didn't produce stuff for a while. Um, so therefore they kind of have to get, and, and they got a bunch of projects to production ready point, right? Mm-hmm. Cause that's the thing that they were able to do was get stuff ready. Um, and so right now there's just like, you know, production is crazy right now. People are just producing tons of things. Um, so there definitely is a backlog. It's very hard, very, very hard to sell things right now. Um, I think for, and again, I don't know your viewership um, uh, totally, but I think for definitely younger writers or, or emerging or unrep writers, like that's less the worry. Like, I, like my clients, I'm like, sure, it's really hard to sell things right now, but most of my clients are, we're still trying to get producers attached to things we're still trying to get them staffed on shows so the the level that they're at you know it's it's less about like oh it's like you know we're not going to get two million for this we're only going to get a million for for this deal we're much more focused on how are we getting people to read your material how are we getting these these projects to a place where they're ready to get sold. Um, and I think definitely for kind of emerging writers, you know, your, your, your goal is to get, you know, repped or, or just get read. And, and I think, you know, I think there's a little bit, like I don't time the market. Uh, I'm actually talking about this with a couple of clients right now. Like, do we take something out now? It's like, it's probably less likely to get sold, but maybe you have a better chance of getting read because there's less things going out right now. Like that's always the conversation that I'm kind of having. Cause it's like, you know, our priorities aren't necessarily have to get this thing sold and, and, and made. Um, sometimes there's other kind of goals in line in, um, uh, that we have for kind of the long-term trajectory of your mm-hmm. career. Right. Uh, let's see. M. Wolf also says, from a producer's perspective, how bad of a fiasco is this Alec Baldwin Rust mishap? From a producing perspective, I guess so. Yeah. Does it have any effect on productions, other productions? Um. Yeah. I. I mean. I. I. I think in terms of fiasco, I don't think there's anything worse than than someone losing their life. And and so obviously, like, you know, I can't imagine. Right. The mm-hmm. the um that situation of, of someone dying on a set uh, because of, 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 you know, the production, um, you know, I, I think, I think it certainly has an effect on other productions and, you know, it's interesting that it happened, right. You know, maybe interesting, maybe, uh, maybe coincidental, maybe, you know, kind of to the point of everything that's going on with IATSE and their deal right now of, of making sets safe and, and that being a, a top priority, um, I think there definitely will be. I mean, hopefully there'll be changes that that come out of it. It seems like there's definitely a lot of talk about, um, you know, how to make sets safer and and what changes need to come directly from this. Um, you know, that's a little outside my purview. I, I'm I'm less involved in terms of the the on set stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but but obviously, I hope that that there's always you know um, the the silver lining to, to some degree of of how you know will all their lives be saved because changes will be made. Sure, sure. And again, going back to uh, in terms of how does it affect producers, uh, 
you don't think that it would have any impact in terms of the material types of material that are getting made. Like they're not going to shy away from action films because of something like this. I, I, I don't, I don't think so. Um, You know, like I said, I I think, I mean, that, I think that's opening up all other things in terms of like, right. Like the effects of, of entertainment on, on, on gun violence, stuff like that. I don't think I don't think so, because, you know, you know, I think the industry I mean, you know, look at COVID. Right. Like, I think it took a while to get productions up again. But when they did, they kind of really did figure out a way to um, be able to do so fairly safely. Right. Right. Like, you know, testing people and and mass and and all these other things. And so, uh, you know. If anything, when there's money involved, people will will figure out a way to to, to do it. Um, you know, will it affect? You know, kind of. I, I think the thing, but if you look at COVID, kind of to my point of the comparison, mm-hmm. COVID has made mid-level budgets really challenging because it's very expensive to do good COVID protocol. So therefore, budgets. You know, it's it's easy for you know, um, Jurassic Park and, and Mission Possible, big movies to be able to, you know, uh, justify those expenses. If your budget's $10 million and you have to spend $4 million for COVID, that's a huge, uh, uh, you know, thing that you have to kind of take on. Um, you know, will those changes happen for, for you know, certain budget movies of like how that affects, you know, um, gunshots and stuff like that? Um, you know, maybe, I mean, I've, again, I'm not an expert on visual effects or anything like that, but from the, the, this, what I've seen or what I've talked to for a couple of people, it seems like it's pretty much like you can make that special effects or the visual effects very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's certainly no reason to have any ammunition on set. Um, so, you know, I, I, I again, I, I don't know, I'm not a, a production expert, but, but I would assume that, um, they could do that. Will it change? Unless there's there's vast consumer sentiment changing. Sure. Um, I, I don't really foresee it in terms of affecting the the types of projects that are made. Right. Um, let's see here. How often do you have multifaceted clients like writer, musicians, or writer, cinematographers, etc.? Sometimes, I mean, musicians, I don't know if I, I mean, again, I, I mostly, mostly work with writers. Um, you know, obviously I have some that are writer directors. Uh, I have a couple that are, um, you know, that act as well. Um, so, you know, that's something that, that we certainly are, are talking about how to, you know, you know, one is kind of, uh, we're about to take it out. It's a, it's a comedy that's kind of based on her life. And, um, you know, the, and she's a comedian and, and an actress. So the hope is that she would star in it. Um, you know, I, I think it certainly, uh, it affects how we position projects, right? I'm always big on, as long as we position it a certain way, right? If you're, if you're the one that has to direct this, we'll take it out as you're directing it. You know, if you're acting in it, we'll take it out as you acting in this, um, you know, and sometimes you have to make the decision over, is that what's the priority, mm-hmm. you know, because some people might want to do something that you're not, you know, they, Oh, I want to do this with this actress or, or et cetera. Um, but, um, you know, I'm not necessarily opposed to it as long as, as, you know, we're aligned in terms of what the, what the goals are for you, because if you're, 
90% a musician and it's just a very small, you know, writing thing. I don't know if I necessarily want to work with that person because, you know, how much are we able to really do together if, if this is such a small part of who you are? Um, but if it's something in addition and it, and it seems to, to work together well, then, you know, why not? And how, what is the best way to sort of introduce that aspect of a writer's uh, career goals, their background in, in terms of, I've heard that it's, having a writer client is more attractive than a writer actor, generally speaking, because it, it's, it, it's harder and you do different things. For example, you know, a writer actor, they would have different agents. Like there's no agent, generally speaking, that represents both lit clients and acting clients. I mean, there are few, but it's not as common. And so uh, is that something that they should tell you in, a, in their query initially or let you find out that this is a great script, really great, and then they go, oh, by the way, I want to be the lead actor and star in it and surprise you with that. Yeah, I think, you know, I don't know. I'm big on, I think you definitely need to, to all that definitely needs to come out before you're signed, right? Nothing would sure. piss me off more than a client who t- doesn't tell me things that are relevant to um, us working together until, in, in you know, you can't really, like tricking me into signing you is not good for, for either of us. Right. Um, so, you know, to me, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could do a thing where it's like, oh, get them to like you before throwing in something that you feel is negative. But I don't know. I, I think you put your ta- your cards out first because this relationship is so important um, that, you know, you want to be with the right person. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that, you know, I don't know where it's come out of. I'm sure it just like, it feels like you have to have a rep in order to succeed in this business. And so people are like, I just gotta, I gotta trick one of them. I gotta get them, you know, I gotta hook them. Um, where I, I think it's so important about finding someone who just works with you really well. And that, that gets you. And like, I don't rep actors, not because I don't like actors, but just because I, that's not my expertise. Mm-hmm. I don't have casting director relationships. You know, I, I don't really know like uh, enough about that uh, field to be very effective for actors if I represented them. Um, and so even the the couple people that do act that I, that I represent, you know, I'm really working on them. I mean, we can, we can use writing to further along their acting career. Like I said, this client that, that hopes the star in this project, but but very much I'm giving her advice and, and working with her in terms of her writing career. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I think I, I think there I mean, I do know some people that um, I, I think that that work with a lot more people who are both or, you know, there certainly are companies like there's a lot of I actually talking with a couple that were um, mainly talent management companies. They were working with actors and they were looking to bring in some people to run kind of a lit arm of their company. Like maybe that's a better fit for someone who, you know, wants to be an actor. So they have a team that is focusing on their their acting side because that's their expertise, but also have someone at that company that that knows the lit side of the business and can help them with that as well. So I think there's, you know, there's no one size fits all in management. And I think you're better off just being upfront with people being like, this is who I am so that the right person responds to that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, why waste your time with someone that, you know, down the line is going to be like, oh, you're an actor. Oh, I'm, I, I don't really want to, to, to work with you because of that. Right. And do you think that, I don't want to say it's easier because obviously it's never easy, but easier for sort of those emerging talents out there, whether it's an actor or a writer or a filmmaker, to pick one lane and focus on their performing, for example, as an actor or as a comedian, get some traction there and then branch off to be a writer comedian or again as a writer work on that before you decide you want to become a filmmaker even if that's your goal from the very beginning try to get a little bit of traction as a screenwriter get something sold get something made get build those relationships and then sort of transition to well i got a film made or sold or whatever this is another project but i want to direct this one it's a smaller but whatever is do you is that something that you would recommend to a client i i would recommend leading with the one that's the most important to you. Gotcha. So I'm not big on, if you want to be a director, starting it with writing and using that to get to directing. Um, And, and, you know, most people, I think they have their main thing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there certainly are, right? So like, you know, I mean, there's been a couple people that have shifted. I mean, I think Jodie Foster, right, has like kind of shifted now. She's mainly a director. Um, but most people that that do multi things, I think, still very were very much they they kind of are one thing, and then they've added directing, or you know, they were an actor and they added directing and they added some writing and and stuff like that. Obviously, now, like, you know, the big thing now is writing for you. So there certainly are a lot of people that write you know, write their own scripts to direct or write their own scripts to star in um, creating their own content. And that definitely has been kind of, I think, a a more common thing. But, you know, I I think it's it's better to be like my clients that are directors. That's very much how we're putting them out there is I'm saying they're a director Mm -hmm. and, you know, or here's a script I'm taking out, but she's attached to direct. I have a couple of clients that have their script that they want to direct, but I'm very much putting them out as a writer. Gotcha. She's a writer, we're trying to get her staffed on shows, but she does have a feature screenplay that she hopes to direct. Um, and so we we, I, we did take that out with her attached to direct it. But in terms of how you're pitching yourself, you know, it's still very much first and foremost, kind of what the priority is. I think that's the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, just because like I I think it's challenging when you're too spread out because I think people I don't know if it's just we're like how we're wired or whatever but we we do box people in and going back to my experience from the other side you know what I say to clients all the time is they're gonna put you in a box so better we tell them what box to put you in than let them decide for themselves right no that's great when I was an exec I, ha- I, in my mind, I'm like, this writer is this type of person. So I want to, you know, attach them to this book or something like that. So people are gonna do it. So better we guide them to the box that, that we want mm-hmm. you to do than, than kind of the free for all of like, I'm a director, actor and writer. And then they decide, well, this one's the easiest for me or the only, the one I'm going to most respond to. And they decide kind of how to prioritize. It. Right. Right. That makes sense. That's great. Um, let's see here. 
Theo Luoma, uh, thanks for doing this, Jason. What excites you right now? I'm assuming in terms of material or material? projects that are out there. Is there anything Life? in particular? Yeah. Um, what excites me right now? Um, you know, I, I think it's a lot of the same. I mean, like, again, when I, I think very much like a creative executive. And so, and what I mean by that is, you know, we would always have our weekend read meetings on Mondays and it would be like, you know, Gone Girl had just come out or, or whatever and be like, you know, what's our Gone Girl? What's the next thing like that? And, you know, I, I love when clients come up with a really cool way into kind of a classic um, genre or type of movie or, you know, like, you know, what's like, what's a cool new way into a heist movie mm -hmm. or like what is, you know, something we always talk about is what is fatal attraction for the Tinder generation? Uh, you know, one of my clients is writing a lesbian rom-com right now. Um, you know, what's the, what's the, the black James Bond, you know, like, I think there's always um, cool, fresh, different ways into these things that work. And so whenever someone comes up with kind of a really cool, new, fresh take on something, I'm like, that's really fun. Let's make it. Mm -hmm. And um, and sometimes then I keep pushing. Where's my script for this? Or one of my clients, uh, she knows she, every time she has to tell me <laughs> we were joking about this this week. She was like, I know every new idea I have to come up with has to be better than the idea that you want me to write. And so, you know, I, that's, I just get really excited about certain things like that, that I'm like, I think this would work because people love these types of movies and this is a really cool, fresh way into it. Right. Um, and so that's kind of what, what always gets me really, really excited. Right. I've, I've used the example many times. So those who have listened to the podcast before you've probably heard, or you may have heard it, uh, that was an idea that I had heard uh, that was it's called Nottingham and basically it was uh the the lead character was the sheriff of Nottingham uh you know a bad guy does all these terrible things uh at the by the order of the king you know takes from the poor blah 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 but at night he became Robin Hood like they were the same person they weren't arch nemeses of each other but he became Robin Hood to sort of make amends for being Nottingham and he gave the money back to the poor so he robbed from the rich gave to the poor uh, but it was the same character, the same person, which I thought was fascinating, a, a, a view of Robin Hood, a classic character that everybody knows, but flipped on its head completely. So I just thought that was fascinating. So something yeah, like that, it, you know, and it's yeah, so something like that. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, look, how many times has Shakespeare been done, redone right. and, and sure. uh, all these? And it's like, you know, is there a way to you know, and I, and I talk about this sometimes, like look at old movies, like look right. at things from the early 1900s or look at, you know, books that you read as a kid mm -hmm. or, or something like that. And is there a way to bring those into the current landscape uh, from a lifestyle perspective, not necessarily even a, a entertainment perspective, right. you know, you know, what's Romeo and Juliet, you know, what would be the Romeo and Juliet of 2021? Um, and, and so I, I think there's, there's a lot of ways to, to retell, you know, I don't know, you know, there's that there's seven types of stories or whatever, but you know, what's a way to, to tell these things in, in a different way than, than what people have done. Wasn't 10 things I hate about you. Wasn't that like 
based on like taming that's of the taming shrew? of the shrew I yeah. Think, yeah but something yeah. again a modern take of a classic tale kind and of i tale. yeah the, discussing that recently with some clients is um you know because those were big in the 90s there was that one yeah. there was i love she's the man mm-hmm. um that's that's what shakespeare obviously all the the romeo and juliet ones like there there's a lot and i think there's yeah. um some opportunities to do that that again now yeah uh let's see here gray ghost in your experience how important is it for a creative building a career to balance one catering to a specific demographics and to caring carrying out their own unique and unheard of ideas that sort of ties in what we were talking about um yeah i i mean i i can i can only speak to myself and and sure. you know obviously different reps might have different opinions and, and, you know, I do believe at the end of the day, you should do what you want to do. So, you know, if I'm wrong, I'm not, or I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying how I run my business. I'm a big believer in brand. And I do think brand is, is important again, to go back to um, how it works on the other side you know, when you're meeting with people, you know, with everything IP right now, they're thinking, who is the right writer to write this IP? Uh, or who, you know, my, a lot of my clients are staffing. So who is the right writer to bring into this room to write on this show? And so, yes, your ideas are important and you want to have interesting, great ideas to be able to get people excited about your work. Obviously, you know, selling a piece of material is, is, is the goal and, 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 you know, helpful to your career, but so much as an, as a, as an early writer is about people thinking of you as a certain type of writer. Mm. And now what that is can, can, you know, adjust a little bit. It doesn't have to simply be, you know, period dramas blah 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 but you know i i do i do tend to prefer or, or or you know definitely advise my clients to focus on their comedy or drama or to focus on um you know maybe a certain type of like you know ya or or sci-fi or whatever it is and i think you can kind of build out a little bit from that you can kind of mold and expand it as you take out some additional material but you know we want the right producers and and producers sometimes have their own mandates and and preferences and stuff like that right so if you're going to you know blumhouse it tends to be a little more genre focused and so you know we want we're going to be sending them your genre focused things we want you working with the producers uh that work within the genres and and types of stories that that you do um you know because i'm looking at any piece of material that i send out yes there's that there's that script that we're hopefully trying to get a producer attached to hopefully getting made, but I'm also sending it out with the hope of, we want you to develop a relationship with this producer. We maybe want you to get staffed on one of their shows. Maybe we want you to uh, adapt a a book that they have options. So there's, there's always that kind of next step uh, goal or, or kind of, you know, strategy that we're doing rather than simply, this is a great original idea. Um, you know, that's what we want to try to sell because that's very hard things, you know, the, to actually get things made is extremely challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, maybe there's other uh, opportunities that can come out of this uh, if we're a little more focused with, with that approach. Right. Uh, let's see here. Um, 
Tian Theron says, question for Jason, your ideal client, hands-on, lone wolf, etc. What are some characteristics that you, obviously, ideal is Make sort of... Make money? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think communication mm-hmm. is, my ideal client is someone that just, we're, we're aligned. I know what they're doing pretty much at all times. It doesn't have to be like every day we have a meeting, I'm giving them notes, I'm, I'm hands-on on all their piece of material, but I like to know if, you know, I we, I we we discuss a strategy, we come up with a strategy, we have goals in mind of what we're trying to accomplish. And so as long as you are operating on that and I can operate on that, we're in sync. We're good. I'm doing my thing. Maybe there's an opportunity I find out about and I, I bring it up with a client. Um, you know, some of my clients I talk to a lot more than others and, and it, there's not a, a pro or negative on, on either of those. It's really where, where it gets frustrating or challenging is where, you know, where a client might try to take a, a sharp left turn or something like that then it gets a little more challenging because I'm like, wait, I've been said teeing up these meetings or kind of teeing up these opportunities. And now you don't want to do that. Then it gets a little, and and again, nothing to do with how often we talk or or not. As long as we're in sync about where we're going, I can be effective for my clients. It's very hard to be effective if I don't know what's going on and i and i'm just brought in at the last minute when there's a problem because then i'm like okay now we have to kind of you know do damage control as opposed to looping me in when things start to happen and then i can advise appropriately again i'm fine with you you know sometimes just giving you advice right i don't have to be looped in but just tell me hey this producer reached out and they want to do this with the project what do you think you know there was a situation where i had a client who wrote something and then the person they wrote it for was 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 I think selling it to someone else and mm. uh brought my client into that and I was like I like I don't want you to be in the middle of of this situation and it was a little hard because by the time they brought me in this had already happened oh. and I was like okay now we have to extricate you from something as opposed to just not let you be in it right um and so that was, just, again, it was just a situation where, again, communication, I think, is always key. As long as you guys are communicating what, what each of you are doing, I think everything will be good. Sounds good. Uh, let's see here. Um, Clint Williams, uh, do you browse the Blacklist website, Coverfly, Redlist, or other platforms looking for screenplays and writers? Uh, I, I wouldn't say I scour. I mean, I definitely, you know, I, I definitely get the... The emails they send out, you know, I think Blacklist sends um, spotlight emails on Mondays. Um, I, I take a look. I peruse what they send out and, and download maybe one or two if, if I, you know, am interested in the log lines. Um, Coverfly, same thing. It's, you know, whatever their spotlight writers are. Um, you know, I also have relationships with uh, a lot of the you know people running a lot of these platforms and so you know every now and then you know i, I communicate you know maybe what i might be looking for or the types of writers i'm going to respond to and so they know they're like hey i've been working with this writer i think they're they do the type of thing you've mentioned before that you might be interested in uh you know would you take a look and i always say sure yeah i'll, I'll take a look um you know 
there's, I just don't have the time. I'm one person at my company right now. And I just don't have the time to spend all day, every day on blacklist, looking at everybody on there every now and then, like, you know, I'll go on and, and maybe there's like, Oh, I'm looking for this type of writer for some reason. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I, I just have to be, um, you know, my time is valuable and I just have to, to use it in the best way. And so it tends to be what's the spotlight or what someone I know say um, there's someone they like that, that I should check out. Right. Uh, let's see here. Eva says, does a writer's other work negatively impact uh, your willingness to look at a query or script, i.e. is a published medical writer, medical journal writer, a red flag, no go uh, for you? Uh, no, I, I would actually say that would be like appealing. Like I, you know, sure. I actually, well, I should say this. It depends. I don't think it would be a negative. However, I think it could be a positive if you write that. So like gotcha. someone who was in the military that writes military dramas is appealing. Someone who was a doctor or is a doctor. I don't know if you're permanently a doctor um, that, that writes medical stuff that wants to write on medical shows is really appealing because there's always an interest in writers who come from a particular background rather than just, I went to film school and and this is what I write. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, you know, your life story ends up being that, that, that affects who you are. And now there's so much emphasis and interest placed on who the writer is and that's that's something else i'll say all the time i tend yes having a great idea for a script that you send to me might get me excited to read your script Mm -hmm. but i end up signing people way more because of who the person is than just their idea for a screenplay because if you just have one great idea that's not going to you know i can't make you know unless obviously we can sell that script but outside of that I'm looking at someone who I'm going to have a 20 year relationship with as a rep, develop their career, make lots of great things. So I want to know, this is the type of writer I am. This is my life experience. This is how the types of stories. And again, when you're talking about staffing in a room Mm -hmm. or why you should, you are the right writer to adapt a piece of material, it's because of this life experience, or it's because of these are the types of writers that I go for. Uh, or the types of stories that I go for, um, that ends up being way more important. So, you know, I, I, I would never, I, you know, if you want to be a full-time writer now, that's what I'm interested in. Not at one point I have clients that I signed that are, I don't know if I should say that older, uh, um, versus clients that, that, you know, are, are pretty much right out of school. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, less it's less focused on i'm less focused on what else they've done uh as a negative but simply you know how that impacts them as a writer Mm -hmm. and to give eva an example uh of something like that um albert kim who's actually been on the podcast uh you can go back and listen to one of the old episodes if you want um he got a job working on dirt that courtney cox show where she plays a magazine editor because of the fact that he, and I don't think he had screenwriting experience, but he was uh, a writer for People Magazine and an editor as well. People Magazine and ESPN, and he had written and been an editor on a bunch of magazines, and that's what 
Courtney Cox's job was. So for authenticity's sake, they brought in a writer who had written for magazines. Um, so that fits right in. So I don't think writing a medical journal or something would be a negative per se. Like you said, if they're writing a medical show, that'd be even better. Um, yeah. Let's see here. Um, Tori Simonson says, I, I have a called shot project. Only one group does the type of work it is written for. No one in the group can talk to me without an intermediary. Is a called shot something you would do? A called shot? I don't yeah, know what that I, is. I don't know the, yeah, that, that verbiage. I don't know what that terminology means, a called shot. So, um, Tori, if you're still here, then maybe ask the question again so we can kind of figure out what that means. Um, let's see here. Uh, Tian Theron asks again, if a... If I had a manager previously and it ended amicably, does that make a query more attractive? Or I guess conversely, if it added, if it ended, ended in badly, in a badly, um, does that make it less attractive? You know, it's 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 hard because I think sometimes yes, sometimes no. Um, you know, it, it's tough because it's like, oh, well, if this person been rep before, clearly they know, you know ideally they've known a little bit more about the business or, you know, clearly there was something about their writing that, you know, cause, cause I, I think the same thing about competitions, all these things, it's all vetting, right? At the end of the day, I don't care if you're repped at CAA, like that's not going to make me sign you because you're repped at CAA. Um, you being repped at CAA makes you appealing because I'm like, Oh, clearly CAA saw something mm -hmm. in you in order for that, 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 you know, I'm more likely to like your writing because you're repped by CAA than someone who, who isn't. Um, so it, it's all kind of vetting just again, someone has this, you know, competitions, right? Some, mm -hmm. some judges have read your work and think you're, you're good. Um, you know, so, so there is some benefit to that, but then I'm also like, well, why didn't it work out? Right. Or, you know, you know, was it, is it, is it a tough relationship thing? Is it, um, you know, that you, you know, you weren't as good as, as they thought you were, you know, there's so many different, you know, reasons why, um, you know, I, I don't know, it, it could go either way. But uh, again, to me, it's like, it's not going to get me more excited just because you, you were rep before um, I'm going to get excited because of your writing or because of, of, you know, your background mm -hmm. or, or who you are. So is that something you would recommend that they don't add to the, a query, for example, or mention when they first Yeah, I mean, I, you know, again, I'm a manager. I'm not going to, you know, it's probably going to be indifferent for me personally. Mm -hmm. And I can't speak to what other people would necessarily say. Um, you know, I have signed people who have had other reps. Um, and sometimes they end up being, it ends up being good because, they see how great I am compared to their other reps. Um, you know, I, and, and I think they appreciate, right. It's, 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 they're not someone who, you know, sometimes they're, they're a little more, um, uh, they care more about what it is, who I am and, and how I work rather than simply, I am a rep. I need a rep. Therefore, mm. like I'm interested right. that, that they clearly are with me because of a relationship, you know, because of the, the work that I'm doing and the relationship that we have, as opposed to simply, I have to have a rep and therefore, you know, I I'm interested in you signing me. Right. And you make a good point though, that sometimes relationships, you know, representative client relationships end 
based on a client not being able to perform or not as good as the 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 rep had previously mentioned but then also sometimes it could be the rep maybe the the client is not satisfied with the treatment they're getting from the rep as well right right and, and right. You, you know and you stand out as much better than that rep so they came to you yeah. instead uh, let's see here um Steve Hartman. Hey, Steve. Um, I just signed my first option agreement. Is now a good time to find a manager? Do I need one? What is the best way to find the right manager? Yeah, so I would say, uh, so first off, congrats. Um, you know, it, it could be the right time because, you know, you're, you're, you now have some success. And so you can both leverage that into getting some interest while also uh, how do you leverage that success into additional success, mm -hmm. which is always, I think, the the best way to use a rep. Um, in terms of like, is it the right time? I think what I've been saying recently, and I think that that I believe in it, is we are not, reps. Having a rep is not a stepping stone in the business. We are not. It's not like oh, get a rep, check, get staff, mm -hmm. check. We are a tool to be used to accomplish the goals that you have in your career. Um, and I think a lot of people treat it, treat getting a rep as, uh, as a stepping stone and therefore I think end up uh, going at doing it at the wrong time or just how they approach it is like something they have to do rather than, um, you know, what it is that you really want from this relationship that, that, is going to help your your goals. In terms of when is the right time, you know, I think it's when you are really ready for that next step. So is it, you know, is, you know, it's, it's not, oh, I want to start really developing my material to get mm -hmm. to a good place. Like, no, join a writer's group and really perfect your craft. You're getting a rep when you're like, oh, like I, my, I have this work, people say it's great, you know, I now want to get staffed or I now want to sell my, you know, sell a show, or I now want to get hired to um, adapt a screenplay. And I need someone on my team that is going to introduce me to the right people that are able to make that happen. Mm -hmm. That I think is really the right time. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it's certainly you can leverage uh, success, right? So like I, you know, I want to gravitate towards people like who are writer's assistants. So it's like they, they have good writer relationships and I'm going to help them navigate that and also build upon their relationships to, to get more mm -hmm. um, or someone who, um, you know, maybe is attached to a couple things. Like one of my clients, I signed her because a buddy of mine uh, was a junior producer on a script she developed. And he's like, hey, been developing this script with a writer. I think she's great. I want, you know, uh, would love to send it your way. She's on rep. Love you to to read her work and let's take this thing out together. Mm -hmm. So those are always like appealing things because it's not, oh, writer, I need to completely start from scratch with um, that, you know, I can just build upon some of the the success that they've built already for themselves that I end up being additive rather than simply doing all the work. Right. And that's kind of, I think how you should, you know, it, it's a give and take. Don't, you don't get a rep and then you're like, all right, I'm all good. Now go, go get me a job. It's like, no, now's where the work really starts. Right. Let's, what are we developing? Who are we going after? What is the game plan? What relation, you know, I ask that everybody I, I sign what relationships do you already have? And I look through and I'm like, okay, 
they're doing this show or like, okay, this person works with this person. Maybe they can recommend you to, to that. Like always thinking about how we're building upon what you already have to something Mm -hmm. more. Right. Your job is not to put, uh, put the gold medal around their neck. Your job is to get them ready for that starting block in that big race in the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And does it matter? Or I guess I shouldn't say, does it matter? Of course it matters. To what degree does it matter? The producer that, or company that the, this writer uh, got their option from. In other words, a small independent producer is obviously very dis- different from a producer with a studio deal, you know, that sort of thing. And how much would it benefit for that producer, even if you don't have a relationship with them, to call you or email you on this writer's behalf to say, hey, you know, I just signed an option on this writer's script. You should take a look at it. They're, they're unwrapped. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so the, for I'll do the second part first. Sure. Like, Absolutely. Like I, like I tend to not take unsolicited submissions. And so, but, but I'm always taking referrals. Mm -hmm. And so pretty much anyone I know who who reaches out to me and says, Hey, I got a writer. I'd like you to check out. I'll check them out. So there's, it's always better to have someone that, you know, you're working with or that, you know, go to those reps. And it doesn't even have to be, I mean, obviously if Steven Spielberg calls me, the first thing I'm going to be is like, all right, what, who's, who is this really? What's the prank? But, um, you know, but I'd be like, of course. And I'd read it that, right. you know, not even that night. I'd read it immediately and, and get back to him in, in, in two hours. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think it's always good to go through through someone else because, again, going back to kind of that vetting process, mm-hmm. it's the rep is going to be like, oh, this producer who is established in the business, like, thinks this person is good. I'm more likely to like it or, Oh, I really want to find something with that, that producer. Maybe there's, there's an opportunity there. Right. So there's that part of it on the first part of what does it matter or how much does it matter? You know, again, it, it does like, you know, certain reps might take a different approach. I try not to let it affect me too much mm-hmm. because I think then I run the risk of repping someone for the wrong reason. So does it matter? Absolutely. Right. You know, Oh, this person has a deal with Amblin. Like, obviously that's going to be appealing to me and going to make me want to, to rep that person. However, I really try to get back to like, I can only rep so many people and still be effective and do a good job. And so I want to make sure I'm repping people that I am so excited about that. Like I'm dying to work with them, dying to find opportunities for I know how hard it is trying to get people's careers going when I really do love their work, mm-hmm. let alone, you know, and I've seen it. There's some scripts I like more than others. And I'm so much more excited about taking out the things that I really like than the things that I'm less excited about. Right. Um, so if I'm not super excited about this person, you know, either the type of writing or it does, we don't creatively mesh or just, I don't think the writing's as good as, as I would like. I'm going to pass on it, even though I know I'm kind of giving up on an opportunity because at the end of the day, I want to be an effective rep for my clients. I can't do that if I don't like material. And, you know, there are successful people in this business, directors and writers that I don't think they're that good. I don't, whether it's, they're actually just a emperor in, in, in uh, without clothing or, you know, they just a different, you know, creative sensibility. Um, you know, I couldn't be an effective rep for them. Mm. Um, you know, if I'm giving notes and also like 
vice versa. If you don't think my notes are good, don't like save both of uh, the stress from both of us. Cause this is not going to be a fun relationship. If every note I give you're like, oh, that's a stupid note. Right. Like we're just not going to work. Why would you want someone as your rep that doesn't, you just don't mesh with creatively. Um, not that either of us are, are, are wrong. Um, but just, it's not a fit. So I want to make sure that I'm, you know, and again, you know, it could be a producer like this junior producer, like he does have some, you know, he has, he has movies made and, and, um, on the producing side, he might have something on the producing and certainly on the writing side, he's had stuff made. Um, you know, he's not huge, but like, you know, he's a buddy of mine and like, I, I trust, you know, that he has good taste. So, you know, and, and I signed her. So it it doesn't have to be a huge producer for me to get excited. And it's not necessarily if it's a huge producer, I'll, I'll definitely sign them. Gotcha. Uh, let's see here. Um, here's one, uh, Michael Smith, do you represent international clients? Um, do I, I don't think so. I'm looking at my list right now. I don't think I've, oh no, I have one client who, who's, um, uh, a dual, a dual citizen, South Korea, um, uh, us, um, you know, I, I'm not opposed to it. I, I do, um, it, it would depend a little bit more on kind of where they want to, um, where they want to work. Do they want to work in Hollywood predominantly or, or make kind of, are they looking to do more kind of local stuff? I mean, with the um, expansion of like Netflix and Amazon and these streamers worldwide, it would be a little easier um, to be doing stuff with like, you know, local, you know, let's say they were lived in India, like Netflix, India, or, or you know, South Asia or whatever their, their division is, um, you know, certainly find those opportunities i always am a little cautious more just because where my relationships are i don't have a lot of relationships outside of of the u.s um you know not to say that i couldn't build those relationships but but i tend to mostly uh have have relationships here in la maybe new york um and so you know in terms of how do i help my clients, you know, get their stuff going, that tends to be where we're, we're taking stuff. But I'm well aware of, of, of the demand for content worldwide. And it's certainly always interesting to me. Um, you know, I'm really, I'm really interested in South Asia, really interested in Africa and, and where kind of untapped potential is. Um, and so any writer who writes in English, uh, or English in another language in those, those areas, um, would certainly be interesting to me because how do you know how do we break them into these expansions that these big streamers are trying to do uh what, what about but assuming a writer based in australia or canada or england india but wants to work in hollywood wants to you know uh get a writing gig a sell a screenplay to the u.s market u.s studios streamers etc yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, I, I'm not I'm not a uh, uh, an immigration expert, so sure. you know, I, I'd have to I'd, we'd have to figure out how all that works. But certainly, like you know, Canada, especially, there is a lot of um, uh, you know, there's there's tax 
benefits from production benefits from having uh, a writer who's Australian or, or Canada that shoots in those territories. Um, And so I actually, I, I I just signed someone recently that that's a dual citizen with Canada. And so, you know, there's been a couple um, uh, companies that I've talked to that are interested in Canadian writers because you know, they can get some of these tax benefits from, from shooting there if the, if the writer is Canadian. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, like I said, I, I'm not opposed to it. And I certainly am reading, reading people that, that are from those territories. Um, but at the end of the day, what ends up being most important is just that I like the writing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if I like the writing, we set a meeting, then it's kind of a discussion over how would this work? What, what are the goals? And um, can I be effective? Right. Again, sure. like if I'm, if I'm not going to be helpful in terms of, of the goals that the client potential client has, you know, again, I'm, I'm probably not the right person if, if that's the case. Right. Uh, let's see here. K Wu says, "Are non IP based stunt specs worth the gamble for a writer if they're not trying to get repped, or if they're trying to get repped? Excuse me. So, are non IP based stunt specs worth the gamble for the writer if they're trying to get repped, or will a spec that can actually be sold always be preferable?" Um, I mean, I I would say probably a something that could be sold is probably always preferable. Um, but you know, you know, it's really how good it is. I mean, you know, it's, it's a stunt script is only as good as it is. So if it's something that everyone in town wants to read and it's freaking awesome, why not? And there's certainly been, uh, some people recently that have written, um, I I think that's how he got there. There was a script that I read that was, um, it was like, it was Superman, um it was like a black superman who uh had like stopped mlk from getting assassinated um and uh and then essentially like then goes to work for you know the daily globe or whatever whatever it is in the in the show um and he ended up getting staffed on on lois or whatever the new superman is on cw um so, you know, it can work, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's it certainly, there's certainly times when, uh, you know, there's, there was the, you know, I think the eight was a friend's AIDS spec script and the um, uh, 9-11 Seinfeld one. And, and so, you know, sometimes there are these scripts that are just, you know, really good and everyone in town wants to read them. And, you know, again, that goes back to my other point of just, you know, I, I want clients to be writing things that people respond to and then want to meet with, right. That they, they're like, that sounds cool. I want to read that. And then they read it and they're like, this is really good. I want to meet with the person. That's always the goal. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think the, the danger of it is simply thinking that because you have a clever idea, that's going to get you farther, right? Like, the Seinfeld 9-11 is only as good as the script is, you know, like you can get everyone to read it, but what's the point of it if it's a really bad script? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you might run the risk of overinflating how good the script is because the concept is so uh, unique. Um, and I think that runs a, a, I mean, it can be with your own original stuff too, but I think that can really run the risk with, oh, wouldn't it be really cool if, 
if it was this and then the script not being that good, everyone's going to read something that's not that good for you and you also can't sell it. So right. it's, you know, then you've, you've burned all your reads on, on something. Right. Uh, let's see here. Um, do you consider contest placements as a sort of vetting? And then to follow up on that, uh, what level of contest placement and what contests uh, would mean something to you? If anything. Yeah, I certainly right. Like, you know, again, anytime you you place in a contest, it, it's good. You know, not all contests are created equal. Um, and and so certain ones are going to be much more valued than others, um, you know, both from a, a query perspective of like, what should you put in there? But also like, you know, I I'm not usually reading, you know, quarter finalists or semifinalists of things if in terms of just outreach like i'll look at who wins you know big break or or any of these and then uh see if there's any writers that look interesting or or scripts that look interesting that i want to check out um you know what i would recommend um because i'm not gonna be pro or against any but um you know i would look at who are the winners or, or you know the top 10 or whatever it is for these competitions for the last three four years whatever you can find and see what happened to those people? Did they get rep? Did any of these scripts go? Um, you also read, you know, who are the judges of these competitions, right? You know, if the judges are, you know, I read for a couple of them. So it's like, you know, if it's judges like me, oh, that's probably a decent thing to enter because I know if I get to that, that final point, I'll at least get read by established people in the business. Um, and uh and also if the winners are getting repped you know it's not guaranteed that's going to happen for you but maybe there is a real shot that it, it shows that this competition uh can potentially lead to opportunities or there's there might be some value placed in it mm-hmm. um and and so you want to and i think i said this i was at aff uh, a week ago and, and at the round table i said you know all of these things, all these festivals, all these competitions, you know, putting your thing on the blacklist or any anything like that. It's all about creating opportunity. It's not guaranteeing success. Winning a competition never guarantees anything. Um, it's all about how are you creating an opportunity for yourself to get read by the right people and who are going to do the thing that you want them to do, whether it's getting reps, buy your screenplay, whatever. So, you know, it's more to me, it's always like, you know, you enter every contest you could. There's no really downside. I'm never like, oh, you entered the Biloxi screenwriting competition and won. Like, I don't want to read that script. Like, no, like no one, no one, it's never a negative. However, are you spending $10,000 a year on, on contest entrance fees um, for, for contests that don't mean anything? Right. So it's more about, are you taking the time and the, and, and using the resources or money that you have to create the best opportunities for yourself? And so you want to make sure that you're going after the right ones so that you don't spread yourself thin on things that aren't going to necessarily lead anywhere. Right. That's good advice. Uh, let's see here. East Coast Grinder says, since the market is focused more on IP right now, how would a new writer get a chance to work on pre-existing IP since a new writer would not have an extensive track record? 
So, so I think a couple things. I think one, um, you know, that's not your approach. And so again, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's kind of the hard thing to say, which is like, your focus is not on making a million dollars right now. Your, your goal is kind of just, you want to, your goal is to get red and that producers and executives or reps, if you're trying to get rep, want are responding to your material and want to work for you. That is success at this point in your career. Um, and out of that comes the other opportunities that are later going to come out. So it's write a great original thing. It doesn't like, even if it's, it's hard to sell or, or whatever it is, you know, you want to create something great that becomes a calling card or an opportunity for you to create other opportunities in the future. So that's always, I think the, the number one goal now in terms of like, okay, like, let's say, let's say I have that and I'm, I'm trying to do that, but I still want to work with some IP as well. There's so much IP in this world and there's so much IP that no one's looking at. And so you're not going to get a New York times bestseller. You're not going to get a big, you know, something that's a remake or, um, you know, a video game, but there are tons of articles out there. There are tons of books out there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there are opportunities to find other like, you know, more obscure things and, you know, reach out to that writer. Hey, like, you know, some, a book that, that you loved as a kid uh, that maybe got optioned and then reverted back to the writer, or maybe, you know, never, never, you know, got optioned anywhere, right. Back in the eighties and nineties, TV wasn't what stream, you know, series is now. So, you know, I was saying, what are the books that didn't get made into movies 20 years ago? Mm -hmm that maybe now can be turned into, you know, series today. Look at uh, the Queen's Gambit that, that right. was, you know, I think option 20, 30 years ago or whatever. Um, so, you know, reach out to that writer. Hey, I've, I've always been a huge fan of, of this book. Um, you know, I'm a screenwriter. I would love to, to develop it um, and see if you can get a free shopping agreement um, or, you know, or throw, you know, a hundred dollars or whatever it is that they're willing to, to take. Um, and then off of that, maybe there's an opportunity to work with a producer and, and find something like my clients. I'm saying that to them all the time. Right. Because same thing. We're not going to get there was there was one uh, article in The New York Times that uh, I saw it. I reached out to a producer, my client. And the, by the time the guy responded back to me, he was like, there's 10 offers on this thing at the studio level right now. And I, I don't remember who it ended up going to, but, you know maybe uh agbo um so you know but i'm always you know pitching articles to clients or like what is a book that they that they love that we could take into producers um that's something that's not like uber competitive um that goes along with this ip drive that that everyone has but at the same time they're a little more open to to lower level people right no absolutely and uh, while he wasn't uh, a first-time screenwriter or anything, Ian Shore, who's been on the podcast, you might want to go back and take a look at uh, some of the podcasts. He's a client of John Zazerny's. Um, a producer apparently found some self-published book at a coffee shop in the Himalayas somewhere uh, and uh, optioned it and... Ian wrote it on spec, was not paid to write it, but, you know, talks with this producer, wrote it on spec, and then they ended up 
you know, selling it to Paramount, getting made and all this and that. But again, I mean, he wasn't a newbie. He had a couple smaller credits, but, mm-hmm. you know, now he's got a big studio credit with, you know, in a film with uh, Mark Wahlberg and yada, yada, yada. But so, I mean, that was a piece of IP, was not well known. Again, was an independent book that was found in some Tibetan coffee shop or something like that, that this producer stumbled upon because I guess there was a lending library or something like that and fell in love with it. And Ian wrote it again on spec, was not paid to write the script for it. So, but, you know, like, as you mentioned, some of these high pro, a lot of these high profile Marvel things, uh, they're not going to hire a new writer. Why would they? Right. Right. You run the risk of, you know, messing things up and they have plenty of writers and they have plenty of money (laughs) to hire said experienced writers. So, um, Let's see here. Uh, Tori Simonson. Okay, so a called shot means you target one specific group because of their specialization. It's basically only a one-shot up or down query with that group, unlike my other writing, not generally marketable work. I don't know if you can unwrap that. I don't know what so maybe I, group means, per se. but It might be like, I mean, you know, if it's... If it's like something like, you know, like uh, if you have an idea, let's say you have an idea for, um, you know, a piece of Disney IP, um, you know, is that worth a lot of time, you know, to to develop something they can only take to one buyer, right? Sure. Maybe, maybe not, right? Like I I have a client, you know, we're discussing that or, you know, it's it's the up and down of... um, you know, there's only one buyer. This is, is that worth the time investing to, to pitch it to, to them versus, sure, you know, sure. something that's a little more open um, in terms of like, as a rep, am I less interested again? Like, you know, I'm not signing people based on an opportunity. I'm signing people based on them. I, I want to sign a writer. I'm not signing a project. I'm signing a writer. So you know, I'm going to, if you're, if you're talented, you know, and, and I think there is potential for you to, you know, have a successful career and I can help you along that path to success. That's what I'm going to, to get excited about or what I'm, why I would, would sign someone. Um, and this opportunity, whether it will affect my decision, yes or no, you know, again like oh okay let's let's go for it is there a way i can be helpful in in that um in that that opportunity or not you know we'll see but i think that's less less going to affect my decision to rep someone um you know and maybe the answer to you is like that's less of a appeal or it's it's not going to like push me that much because you know, again, it's, it, it's, you know, it's one small shot. Right. Um, but again, I'm, my clients, like, yes, there are a couple things that I'm really, that, that when I signed them, I was really excited about. And we were, we're trying to, t- you know, a couple that we're waiting to take out or, you know, that we took out and it was to mix success, but, you know, all of my clients, it's not like up, oh, this didn't work, you know, we're done it's you know there's a long career of of stuff that we're trying to do right um let's see here should a new writer trying to break in focus on original idea spec or focus on popular genre i'm not sure that they're necessarily diametrically opposed Um, yeah i think 
you should write, I mean, it's, you should write what it is you want to write. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if the question is like, should I write something that I'm really excited about or, or a little more towards the market? Like, again, I think, you know, you know, what I tell to I've interns and, and, you know, I'm always talking to about like how to evaluate material. And, you know, I think something smart to kind of look at is would I hire this writer to write something else in this genre? And and I think that's maybe a way to look at it as, you know, even if this idea, whether it's, you know, it's period or it's something really, you know, it's dystopian or something, whatever, really hard to put together right now. um, Would I read this script and be like, damn, this is really good. I would hire them to write, dune or like i would write that hire them to write this action movie or whatever Mm -hmm. and i think that's maybe that's a way to kind of approach it because again i'm thinking about reading someone i'm like oh i could put them up for this thing or oh i know netflix is really interested in this type of stuff or these producers have talked to me about um someone in this space uh or i have an idea for uh a project that i think this person would be really right for so that's always more what i'm thinking about rather than is this script going to be a a million dollar sale gotcha uh, let's see here. Um, Tian Theron says, hi, Jason, what's your opinion on posting log lines on social media? Um, writer Twitter is so interesting. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think a lot of like what people said is like, you know, I, I think one to each their own. Like, I, I think people really overinflate how much these things really matter in mm-hmm. terms of, of the business. Um, you know, the 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 whole like is someone gonna steal your idea like i'm never i'm less worried about people stealing ideas i'm worried about someone else getting there before me gotcha and so if if i really have a really unique idea um i hold it a little closer to well i should say two things if you have the script already written I don't think it really matters as much because you probably sent it out to people to get read or you're having people read it. So it's, it's not like you're really hiding anything um, because someone's going to read it. And like, also like there's probably five people that have the exact same idea you have. Like, I think people overinflate how original some of their ideas are. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's the, it's the execution that's really, you know, dependent on it. But when, to my point of saying like, you know, I don't want it to, before my clients write the script that um, that I do think is a really cool, unique way. You know, it's a, it's a female James Bond thing. And it's like, I'm kind of keeping it close. I, I don't want her talking about it. And I'm not really talking about it much because I'm worried someone else has that idea um, and will write it. And it will like speed along their version because they have to get ahead of us. Gotcha, um, gotcha. And so that's when I'm like, but once I have the script, like, like I don't need to, to, you know, hide it. Like I want to tell people about it because I want them to read it and buy it. Sure. Um, sure. So, you know, I, I think posting something like if it gets someone interested, great. Um But, you know, I wouldn't necessarily just post all your ideas on social media if you haven't written it, um, just because I I don't know really what the benefit of it is. Right. No, that's smart. 
Um, we'll answer one more audience question and then sort of wrap it up. We actually have gone almost 90 minutes. It's been pretty quick. Uh, let's see here. Kwu seems like the feature comedy has been relegated to streaming for the foreseeable future. How should comedy writers approach the current market? FYI, I write high concept dark comedy. I don't think writers should worry about the business side of the industry. You, you know, your job is to write an incredible script. Uh, if it's that good, the business side people, the execs, the producers, your reps will figure it out and, and will navigate it. Um, you know, I, I think I think if anything we're streaming is now, um, you know, it's what is a Netflix movie? Like, I don't think a Netflix movie is any different, to be honest, than what a, a theatrical movie was 10, 15 years ago. So this this idea of like, oh, with streaming, wherever it is, or, you know, theatrical, like, I, I don't think that really impacts the creative as much as as people might think it would mm -hmm. um and so to me you know I, I i tell my clients not to worry about where things are you know obviously in series there's a little obviously if you're writing broadcast versus streaming and or, or premium in general there's a little bit of a of a content and and um structure changes right you don't have ad breaks and and stuff like that um but you know, in general, just write great material. If you if you have a great script um, that that people want, people will buy it. Um, and so I think you should focus a little more on just writing something great than worrying about what the business side looks like on the other end. Right. No, that's good. Uh, and I guess lastly, uh, we'll sort of wrap it up with what sort of advice would you have out there for those emerging writers to help sort of make their journey easier, better? Yeah, I think my number one vice is always meet people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people are like, oh, well, I, I, you know, I don't live in L.A. or I don't know people. It's like you'd be surprised how many people you actually do know or you do have access to. So, you know, whatever school you went to, build relationships there, you know, writer Twitter, go to the Austin Film Festival or go to other festivals, you know, they're. Um, right now, everything is still, I mean, we're obviously somewhat meeting in person again a little bit, but still so many things are happening on Zoom. So like there's an opportunity to to meet with a lot of people digitally that that opportunities didn't exist um, like this if you didn't live in L.A., you know, a couple of years ago. Um, and, you know, again, referrals are, are huge in this town. So if you can build those relationships, um, you know. Yes, Steven Spielberg calling me is obviously going to get me more excited about the piece of material. But, you know, if my interns brought me something or like a, other, you know, what are assistants at these companies or mm. anyone in town, um, if there's great material, people want to pass it around. Right. Um, and so, you know, just just get to know more people, get to know other writers. You know, I think writers are, are a unique breed. They're very uh, they, for the most part, tend to be very collaborative and, and, and friendly. It's one of the reasons I love the Austin Film Festival so much is because it's so inclusive and just like mm -hmm. nice. Um, and, uh, you know, if your stuff is good, like 
some of my some of my clients or some of my best the best people that are sent to me are from other writers uh, because they know they know what good writing is and and they want to help out their friends and stuff like that. So um, you know, build those relationships, and I think that that's always the the most fruitful thing to to be able to do. No, that's great advice. Um, so you'll stick around just for a minute as we wrap up here after we wrap yeah. up. Great. Uh, be sure to follow Jason on Twitter. It's at First Story Ent, E-N-T, as an entertainment. Uh, so it's at First Story Ent. Uh, and as a reminder, we're on next Monday, November 15th, instead of Saturday the 11th, uh, for another manager Q&A, this time, this time for our early annual year-end wrap-up with John Zazerny. So we'll see you then. Uh, thank you all for joining today. Thank you, Jason. It's been a pleasure. I'll have to have you Thanks on again me. in 2022 because there's still questions on my list that I didn't get to. There's too many audience questions <laughs> um, if you're up for it. I'd love to have you back on. Sounds great. Um, and have a great weekend, everyone. We'll see you next time.